We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome one and all to the X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the X-Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and Simul Radio and Simul TV. Now, if you'd like to send me an email, pro, con, good, bad, up, down, in, out, you know, the same old email address that we've had for the last 30 years, Exxon at TV.com. On all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And for the program schedule of the Exxon uh, broadcast network where you can find out all about the other great shows we have available for you 24 7 365 with our compliments visit www.xzbn.net my first guest tonight is a young lady we've had the pleasure of having on the show before her name is sarah dwin falling star and she is a shamanic witch and priestess who has taught classes in magic and ritual for over 40 years she gives lectures uh tying together psychology spirituality, history, contemporary issues, and politics in an entertaining, enlightening, and humorous fashion. Uh, she has founded Three Covens and an organization called Earthright, which offered public rituals to Northern California community for over a dozen years. She worked closely with uh, Starhawk during the early years of reclaiming a Wiccan ritual and teaching organization based in San Francisco. And we have to congratulate Sarah Dwin tonight because her book, uh, Broth from the Cauldron, has won an award. And let's bring her on. And uh, first of all, uh, Sarah Dwin, congratulations on your win. Thank you so much, Rob. It is so great to be talking to you again. It's always great talking. Yeah, my, my new book, Broth from the Cauldron, A Wisdom Journey Through Everyday Magic, which is like a book of... Uh, sort of a Wiccan soup for the soul, book of right. teaching stories, uh, just won a finalist award uh, from the BookFest International Book Competition. So, Well, that is great. pleased about that. And you should be. We're very happy for you because I know how hard you have worked over the years and, and all the good that you and other Wiccans around the world and witches around the world have done. And I, for one, am the biggest proponent of the bum rap that witches have received throughout the centuries. So I'm glad you and the other members of your covens are doing uh, to make this a better place. 
Thank you so much, Rob. I really appreciate that. Um, let, let me ask you, uh, with everything that COVID is going on today and the unrest that we're seeing in an unprecedented form, uh, any ideas from a witch's perspective on what the heck is going on? Well, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's something that we, you know, we could pretty well predict. You know, we have overpopulated the planet uh-huh. to the point where it really can't sustain a healthy life. And so, you know, the planet has a number of options. And mm-hmm. one of them is uh, pandemics and illnesses to reduce the human population. Unfortunately, if we won't take care of the situation ourselves, it, it will be taken care of for us. Um, I only wish that the planet had a, a, a better sorting mechanism so that, say, you know, all the rapists could drop dead, you know, yeah. or, you know, unfortunately it, it doesn't have a, a precision sorting mechanism in which uh, we, we keep the gold and let go of the dross. So that's, uh, that's a, you know, it's problematic for all of us yeah. uh, when, when these things occur. So can we look at this situation that we're seeing as Mother Earth getting ticked off, looking at, looking at we humans as an infection and she's going to do whatever she can to rid herself of this annoying infection. Well, I think that's a pretty grim way to look at it. I think it's just, you know, I don't think we have to necessarily think that the earth is angry. I think it's just a matter that, mm. you know, there's an imbalance and there's a shifting around that tries to correct uh, the imbalance. Um, I mean, we are, you know, we are the children of the earth and... Yeah. I have no reason to think that, you know, the mother d- dislikes us <laughs> more than, say, snails. Mm. But we have been a little more troublesome than snails. Yeah, snails and, uh, snails don't dig into her and, and suck the life force out of her. Well, I don't know if we're sucking the life force out, but certainly we're sucking <laughs> the oil and uh, and minerals out. And yeah. that, um, that does have a destabilizing effect at times. Sure does. Yeah. Listen, let me ask you something. You and I have known each other for a number of years, and... How did someone who grew up in a conservative, agnostic, Republican household, like you, get involved with witchcraft? Well, it is kind of a, uh, an interesting trajectory. You could say my life <laughs> took a bit of a swerve. Yes. Um, particularly since, you know, as I say, in my agnostic household, um, people who followed any kind of religion were thought of as kind of big dummies who really just uh, didn't know anything. So I wasn't ex- uh, looking for... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a spiritual path, but when I was uh, in my early 20s, I was working for a feminist newspaper, and my editor came in and said, hey, there's a witch on trial for fortune-telling, and I was like, oh, I'll take that story, and uh, that turned out to be the Z Budapest witchcraft trial in 1975, and I know, hard to believe that a witch was on trial in 1975, right? You expect it in 1675, but it was uh, definitely uh, surprising to see it uh, in 1975. But I got very, very intrigued um, by what I saw, which was a spiritual tradition that, you know, was not very long on dogma, Mm -hmm. but which was very long on um, experience, uh, experiencing states of consciousness that the ordinary person does not know how to seek out. And so that was very, very interesting to me. Why do you think in the year 1975, people still had such a negative connotation and looked at witchcraft as a threat. Well, you know, I, I, we, we witches often argue about who mm-hmm. hurt us more, Hollywood or the Inquisition. Ah, <laughs> good point. Certainly they both had their share of giving us some uh, extremely um, 
unfavorable publicity. You know, when when uh, Christianity came into Europe, the, the pre-existing religion there were the shamanic uh, pagan traditions of Europe, which were very similar to Native American traditions in this continent. Right. And uh, as Christianity was taking hold, they wanted to eliminate the competition. And so, of course, they uh, talked about witches as being demonic and the servants of Satan, which Satan wasn't a, a, a Wiccan god at all. So we had no relationship with him, but that's what we were um, accused of, of doing terrible things, of causing the Black Plague and uh, various uh, things like that. And then, of course, Hollywood just kind of extended uh, those images with the Wizard of Oz and right, yeah. other, uh, other things like that. Hmm. So how do you deal with skepticism when somebody talks to you and they find out that you're a witch and, and when you go out in public and promote your books? You, know, you, you must get skepticism. Well, sure. And, you know, but what I always tell people is, hey, the kind of witch you don't believe in, I don't believe in either. Mm. You know, what you don't believe in is, you know, the scary demonic witch of, uh, of, of mythology, right. you know, of folk tales. And you're right, that, that, that one doesn't exist. But there are real witches who are, you know, the remnants mm -hmm. of pre-Christian culture. You know, the shamanic uh, practitioners from uh, European-based backgrounds. People think of shamanism as something that's exclusive to Native American people or African people. But, you know, white folks was wild once, too, as I like to say. And, uh, <laughs> people uh, people of, our, uh, of our ethnicity also... Uh, had our own shamanic traditions. Modern witchcraft is like a recreation of those traditions because our traditions were were shattered during mm -hmm. the, uh, the 300 years of on-again, off-again witch hunting in, in Europe. Uh, we can't say that we have the kind of coherent tradition that some Native peoples in other places have. But in some ways, that's an advantage because we can basically tailor our current uh, understanding of shamanism to the world in which we find ourselves now. You know, we can adapt to, say, technology and make a harmonious uh, connection between these things. I mean, technology is basically just doing the sorts of things that witches and shamans have, have always done. If you go to the standing stone circles, you see that they brought the stones from, you know, sometimes 100 or more miles away because they were looking for a particular kind of stone that was rich in crystals. You'll see all these crystals embedded in these big standing stones. Sure. And those crystals operated very much like a crystal radio does today. That's right, especially like quartz. Yeah. put their hands on it mm -hmm. and, and get Im images or impressions from another stone circle quite a ways away. And so, you know, I don't see these things as being um, out of harmony with each other. I always say skeptics make the best witches because... We're basically the scientists of the sacred. We're the people who are curious about, you know, science says we don't know what at least half of the brain is for. Well, witches are very curious about that 50%. Well, <laughs> we well, really want to know. Well, when it comes to politics, uh, I, I, I know what 50% of the brain of a politician is for, but that's another show. You and I have <laughs> yeah. to take our... <laughs> Possibly even another, another part of the body, but yeah, we won't, won't get too specific there. I understand they're connected by a central nerve. You and I have to take our first commercial break, my friend. And ExoNation, my guest this hour is Sarah Dwin Falling Star. Her website is Sarah Dwin Falling Star. Her, that is C-E-R-R-I-D-W-E-N-F-A-L-L-I-N-G-S-T-A-R. And we'll both be back on the other side as we talk about witchcraft as well as the philosophy and 
physiology of politics when it comes to their brains and another part of their body. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to stick to uh, witchcraft this hour. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in this is your sign to thank them and if you're that friend this is us saying thank you now get a sausage McMuffin sausage biscuit sausage burrito or hash browns choose two for $2.50 enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2 price of participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer a combo meal single item at regular price We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Don Henley and the Eagles with Witchy Woman right here on the Exxon Radio Show, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Once again, if you'd like to send me an email, good, bad, or indifferent, I enjoy them all. Exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On all social media sites, Exxon at X, uh, I'm sorry, exxonradiotv.com. Uh, I was telling uh, my guest this hour, Sarah Dwin Fallingstar, that uh, earlier today we had the televisions on here in our studios and in our offices. And we were watching the witch hunt of uh, Secretary William Barr. And I must tell you something that, you know, I can understand how, how some members of the witchcraft and Wiccan community must feel when they see how the same process is still in effect today when it comes to certain politicians. Oh my gosh, what can I say? Great having you with us, Erdwin. Um, how would you describe a modern-day witch? You know, we, we know it's not the Hollywood version. We know it's, it's not the demonic version. Would you say that a modern-day witch is a custodian of Mother Nature or foreign Mother Nature, um, a representative of Mother Nature and the goddesses. Yeah, I think that's a really good uh, definition, Rob. Um, you know, I think witchcraft appeals to many people today mm-hmm. because it is very much invested in nature because it talks about the interconnectedness of all things, which we know to be biologically true. Sure. 
and uh, and that uh, you know many people today are wanting something that brings them back in harmony with the earth and that they don't want to feel that their spirituality is separate from their physicality that they want to feel that their spirituality imbues their physical body and is part of the physical world and so for those people who experience you know maybe their most uh, profound sense of enlightenment, those beautiful aha moments right. when they're out in nature, seeing a beautiful sunset or mm-hmm. sitting with their back against a gorgeous tree, you know, witchcraft seems like an extremely um, reasonable way to pursue that intense and kind of in love relationship with the earth. Do you find, I, I was reading an article and I, I tried to find it just before we went on air and I couldn't put my hands on it. I've got Craig looking for it right now where it said the um, more and more people are turning to alternative philosophies today than any other time in the history of this planet. And one of the different philosophies that was listed is witchcraft. Yes, it's, it's definitely, uh, apparently, you know, there's now in the United States uh, 1.2 million wow. or, or people identify as witches, which mm-hmm. is a fairly large number. And I know you have probably a comparable number in Canada, because I've, I've taught classes up there in Canada and British Columbia, and, and uh, I know that uh, that there are a lot of people in Canada who are very, very excited um, about this, as I say, this this way of looking at spirit mm-hmm. and having a spiritual path that where you don't have to deny your intellectual assessment of things, you're, you don't have to deny your ability to use your logic or your critical thinking. You can still have that and yet still have um, those experiences uh, where you feel that kind of spiritual union with your surroundings. You see, that pe- is attractive to many people. You see, people up here in Canada are tree huggers too, you know, eh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know that, eh? Hey, and, and, I, and I must agree with you that there comes a certain time in a person's life when they do realize and start to appreciate everything nature has had for them from day one. It's like an aha moment. My God, look at the flowers. Did you see that tree? Look at those birds. Right. For some people, it's, you know, they they stumble into it, you know, Mm. when they, you know, smoke some marijuana or use a hallucinogen, and then suddenly they they see the interconnectedness, and they see it in some very vivid way. They see the web of life, and they realize it was there all along, but they had just become numb to it. Um, So often, you know, spiritual practice is about learning how to become once again, yeah. present and sensitive, because basically everything on the planet is always talking to you. If you go out in nature, uh-huh. the trees and the birds and the, and the bushes are all looking at you, and they're all willing to be in relationship with you. Mm-hmm. You just have to sort of wake up and say, oh, hi. <laughs> hey, thanks for, thanks for leaning over just now like that. Hey, it's nice to see you. My, um, wife, my wife and I moved from Hamilton, and we now live on the shores of Lake Erie. And uh, when we, we, we've got about two to three acres of land with our house, and what I decided to do, we've, we've got some beautiful trees in the backyard, I put up bird feeders. Oh, nice. And, and I also put up a little feeder for the squirrels and the chipmunks. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I have our morning coffee on our back porch just watching nature. 
you know, we get rabbits, we get uh, every kind of bird. We had a hawk fly into our tree the other day, and I swear to goodness, the hawk was looking at us, just trying to figure out who we were. We get crows, we get uh, cardinals, orioles, you name the bird, we get it. And and it's really funny, in the, in the morning, before I let our dogs out, I have to check to see if the ducks have landed, and, and the ducks are in the backyard. You know, so... It's kind of like a, a, a newly found communion with nature. Sounds like paradise, Rob. Sounds like you have a beautiful place. I'm, I'm blessed. I, I'm truly blessed. And this is why when you're talking about this connection with nature, I can fully understand it. I really understand it. And how can a person who doesn't have the aha moment, like my wife and I did when we moved here, and the, the ability and the, and the sense that you have, how can we help them to basically understand what we're talking about right now? Yeah, I think that's a good, I think that's a good question. I mean, certainly in my new book, Brought from the Calden, you know, one of the things, it's been getting a lot of great reviews, and one of the things people are saying is that it kind of crosses the boundaries of religious traditions or spiritual traditions that yeah. you don't have to be Wiccan or pagan to read the stories and say, Ooh, yeah, that I relate to this. I understand that, mm-hmm. you know, that we, you know, we don't want to get too, too tied up with the labels because, you know, the label is, you know, it's just a label, you know, it's like Rumi says, you know, beyond all ideas of right doing and wrong doing, there's a field. I'll meet you there. I and like that. Sometimes we have to be willing to meet, in a place outside of definitions mm-hmm. in order to just have an experience together um, instead of, you know, becoming polarized and saying, Oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm a Christian. I don't see it that way or I'm not this or I don't, or, or that. And, you know, because there's no reason in the world why Christians can't also be people who love nature and people who feel the divine presence of God in nature. Do you think religion, so, do you think organized religion, keeps us apart instead of bringing us together? Um, I think most of the time it has done that. I, mm-hmm. Well, I don't know about most of the time. Most of the time recently. Um, patriarchal religion in particular, is you know, it is rather distinctively different from the older shamanic uh, nature traditions in that it talks about, well, for one thing, it tends to be monotheistic, so it's one God. And, you know, the whole idea of one God, it was it was actually like a a wonderful spiritual leap to realize that all the gods were one God. But unfortunately, that's not how most people interpret it. They interpret it as there's one God and it's my God and not your God. Right. So instead of seeing that one God thing as the union of all, it has, you know, been uh, the disunion of all where people see their uh, other religions as competitors and people fight holy wars about who's right and who's wrong and, you know, whose God is, or whose version of the God is, um, is the right, one true right and only way. And this, of course, um, has, you know, it has split us apart in, in a lot of very sad ways. It doesn't have to be that way. Do you think we'll ever, do you think that we'll ever all unite under one, under one umbrella as one family? I don't know. I think it's a beautiful dream. Yeah. And I think it's something to aspire to. Well, in my try and reach across the gaps, you know. In my book, the only difference between a dream and reality is just doing it. The dream is the idea, 
and the reality uh-huh. is making it happen. Um, where can people buy a copy of your book, new book? Uh, let me see. Uh, Broth um, yeah. from the Cauldron. Pretty much anywhere. Um, you can get it from Amazon. You can get it from Bookshop. You can get it from Indie Books. You wow. can order it from Barnes & Noble. You can order it from your local bookstore, and they can order it for you. It's, uh, it's published by She Writes Press, and it's widely available. And then uh, when we come back from this news break, more with our special guest this hour. And I'd like to talk to you about hexes. If that's okay with you. All righty. All right, Exxon Nation. My guest this hour is Sarah Dwin Fallingstar. And uh, she has a new book out called Broth from the Cauldron. And if you'd like to get more information about uh, Sarah Dwin, her website is sarahdwinfallingstar.com. That's C-E-R-R-I-D-W-E-N-F-A-L-L-I-N-G-S-T-A-R.com. Uh, and we'll both be back on the other side of this break as we continue from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. Don't go away. Ask me the magic man here on the Exxon at uh, the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and uh, Simul Radio and Simul TV. My guest this hour is Sarah Dwin Fallingstar. Her website is sarahdwinfallingstar.com. And as always, a great pleasure having you with us, my friend. Thank you, Rob. It's always a pleasure to be here. Okay. Hexes. I have to ask you, I read somewhere where the witches are hexing President Donald Trump. True or false? Well, you can understand how how that might be. <laughs> that, uh, uh, people would be interested in doing uh-huh. something, anything. <laughs> by the way, I loved I your political... I don't really I, recommend it, though. Uh, I, by the way, I loved your, your thoughtful pause when I asked you that question. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I've seen a few things coming up on my... Um, on my screen about, mm-hmm. uh, oh, we're going to, you know, focus on this hex and this, this such and such a time. And, and you know, I, again, it's very understandable. But, you know, my, my concern is that, you know, someone like Trump kind of thrives on that evil energy, on that yeah. dark energy. <laughs> so 
I don't know that feeding more of it to them is such a good idea. You know, that, uh, a pathological narcissist like him really thrives on conflict and, uh, you know, suffering and anger. You know, he just wants a reaction, mm-hmm. any reaction. And so I, I, I kind of think that, yeah, I, I, my concern is that people who, who are, you know, kind of lost souls like that um, can use negative energy to their own benefit, you know, to, for their own self-aggrandizement. I, I was speaking to somebody once who had, I was going to say the pleasure or the privilege or the honor and still looking for the, who had the opportunity of meeting mm-hmm. President Trump. And he said it Robin was like shaking hands with a psychic vampire. <laughs> I'll bet. He felt totally drained. Oh, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. My really. goodness. That really would not surprise me. Do, do. Yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't see a lot of people who are, you know, um, you know, have that complete and total lack of empathy like that. And it's, it's sort of horrifying when you do. Yeah. Um, do you think hexing is a good idea? generally not a good idea um, because basically you know taking a hex is like taking taking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die the, the energy moves through you first with any active magic the energy's moving through you right and you know through your body through your energy field and so if you're having that very negative um, harming energy coming through your body well mm-hmm. we like to say that magic is strongest at its roots you know you're the one who's going to get hit the hardest by it. So I think there's there's something to be said about being um, being very careful about that. I think about as far as I would go as a binding. You know that so, so occasionally I participated in a what we just call a binding, and that is generally something that's directed at um, a rapist, where you mm. you know direct energy for that person to be caught by their own evil and by um, you know their their own actions, and so you're um, you're looking for them to stumble over the, you know, kind of like throwing the spider web of their own karma over them so that they stumble and fall. I, I, and I love that. I love that. Congratulations. More people yeah. should do that. Yeah. You know, you mentioned karma, and I believe in karma. I really do. What you reap is what you sow, and what goes around comes around, and paybacks are, a, you know, pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> right. Question for you, friend. Why do you think that a return to paganism is necessary to reverse climate change? Well, again, as we kind of mentioned earlier, I, you know, uh, there, there's the, the, the problem with, um, you know, climate change and with the various uh, destruction to our mm-hmm. environment is that we think of it as an environment, like a stage upon which we're just sort of walking back and forth and having our old dramas, and we're not thinking of it as actually part of our body, as an essential part of our body. I think we need to start talking about, you know, sort of just talking about the rivers being polluted, saying, well, our bloodstream is polluted, because that's what the rivers are, they're our bloodstream, you know. When the trees are being cut down to say, our lungs are being amputated, because that's what's happening. The trees are our lungs. Uh, they're not, you know, the, 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 the world is not separate from us. It is, it is part of us, and we can't, uh, damage that world without damaging ourselves. So I believe that people have to come back to a sense of the world as being mm-hmm. sacred, of this earth as being sacred, so that it would be as unthinkable to you know, cut down old-growth redwoods as it would be to chop off your mother's arm. You just, well, you just wouldn't do that. It would be like, well, what kind of person would you know, attack their mother right. like that? Right. But we have to start thinking of it 
and feeling that it really is that way. It seems as if we have been so focused on the small picture that the bigger picture has been totally ignored, and it is the biggest picture that actually gives us the best picture of how we can progress in our own smaller picture, if you know what I mean. Right, right. The macrocosm, microcosm. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we have to think about the, you know, that we're we are really just small bit players. I mean, we're we're the stars yeah. of our own show, of course, but we're also, you know, we're very small players in the life of the planet, and yet it's important that we do um, try to live our lives impeccably and with the highest consciousness that we can find, so that we can be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Easter, Halloween, Christmas were all originally pagan holidays. Can you explain the roots of these celebrations? Because people think that Christian, uh, Christmas is a Christian holiday. And I learned years ago that, uh-uh, it wasn't. It yeah, seems well, like it was the winter. Yeah. Yeah, originally Christmas was the winter solstice, which is the rebirth of light. You know, as you, as you know, you know, the... Uh, days get shorter and shorter as we move towards the solstice. And at the solstice, there's a three-day pause, and then the days start getting longer again. So, you know, for particularly, you know, I mean, you're up in you're up in Ontario, you know, it can be, it gets dark awfully early. It in the sure winter. does. Yeah. It stays, it gets awfully cold, and as was true for our, uh, you know, ancestors in Northern Europe, you know, they got pretty anxious when when the days started to getting short and uh, things were so dark and they didn't know if they were going to make it through the winter. And so having a big celebration to welcome back the light uh, seemed like a very, a very important thing to them. And, you know, when Christianity was getting started, they, they wanted to identify Jesus as being the Lord of light. And so they placed his birthday at the winter solstice as, as a way of uh, kind of entrenching him within a, a tradition that people were already uh, honoring and, and practicing. I, I also believe it had something to do with marketing because the more followers you had, the stronger your religion was, and the stronger your religion was, the 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 more money or the more wealth the religion was able to have. Now, a lot of people do not realize that uh, pagans and, and witches, you know, they're, they're not they're not constructed in the same way that Christianity is, which is, a, in my opinion, only. Is a money-based organization. Let's let's take a look at uh, the, you know Vatican City, and let's take a look at all the property and all the art that is owned by the different uh, churches, as well as the different head, like the Catholic Church and so on. Whereas when you look at religions or, or organizations, religions like paganism and Wicca and witchcraft and the different covens. They do things for a totally different reason. It's not to enrich themselves. It's to enrich life. I think that's, that's generally true. You know, that's generally true. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, again, patriarchal religion kind of took a, lot, a number of wrong turns, and certainly uh, mm-hmm. making, making it all about uh, the money was probably a part of that. Certainly their, uh, their tradition of being celibate men was probably part of that, that they were just so miserable. <laughs> they um, started wanting to have gold and jewels and you know other other things to compensate for the lack of uh, love and family and 
I always found it very funny that beside a Catholic, big Catholic church, you always had a, a convent. Coincidence? I don't think so. <laughs> well, yes, there is that. I mean, mm-hmm. really, factually speaking, I guess uh, I guess the old style popes generally did have mistresses. Um, yeah. Or unless unless they preferred little boys, of which, of course, there's been a long tradition. Oh in the my church, God! Also, unfortunately. Yeah, like it, it's a. And you know what really ticks me off about the entire uh, religious perpetration of of these crimes is that it's covered up. Well, it used to be covered up at the highest levels of the church. And you know oh, what? Oh, it still is, yeah. Mm-hmm. You and I have to take a yeah. break, and while we take our break, uh, I think I'll have to take a blood pressure pill. <laughs> Sarah Edwin, Falling Stars, our special guest, Exonation. She is the author of Broth from the Cauldrons. Her website is saredwinfallingstar.com. And we'll both be back as we continue here in the Exon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, Exxon at exxonradiotv.com and all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And we'll both be back wrapping up this hour with yours truly, Rob McConnell, and our special guest this hour, Sarah Dwin Fallingstar. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Sarah Dwin, Falling Star, is my special guest this hour. Her website is theheartofthefire.com. That's www.theheartofthefire.com. First of all, Sarah Dwin, I must say that it has been thoroughly enjoyable having you on the show this hour. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us tonight. It's sincerely appreciated. Well, thank you, Rob. I always enjoy chatting with you as well. It's always a good time. Um, let me see here. You claim uh, misogyny is the root of all evil. Can you explain that? Yeah. Well, yeah, I kind of do think misogyny is the root of all evil, that being um, kind of the hatred of women. And it goes back a very long way at this point. Uh, you know, during uh, Paleolithic times, the evidence is that men and women were very much equal. You right. know, women gave birth, uh, but men protected their babies and the women. Mm-hmm. And so there was a sense of needing each other that, you know, led both genders to feel like they were equally honored. But I think when we moved into the Neolithic, when people started doing agriculture, you know, w- women could go plant even if they were pregnant and had a toddler clinging to their skirts. And the uh, the big animals, the, uh, the saber-toothed tigers, the dire wolves were extinct by that time. And I think men started having a crisis of relevance about, um, you know, how were they as powerful as the women. I couldn't give birth 
and the women didn't need them to protect them anymore. So um, at that point, then they invented war, so that, of course, we'd still need the men to protect us from other men. But I think some of the, the roots of it are in kind of feeling that, that anger that, that women have the reproductive power. And you can see how that is acted out today in politics where the men try very much to allocate that power for themselves, saying, well, women are not going to be allowed to decide whether to have a child or not. We will decide for her whether she has to uh, be forced to have children that she doesn't want. Um, and that that's, you know, again, this is the, the underlying root then mm-hmm. of our problem with, um, you know, the pollution of the earth and the damage to the earth is overpopulation, which is really the, the root of it is misogyny. It's, it's uh, males forcing females to give birth many more, t- much, much more than they would if they were... Um, had control over their own destinies. Um, so I think it just, it shows up in, you know, if you look at racism, well, it's, it's based, you know, the model is misogyny. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, they'll talk about, you know, the way to humiliate a man of another ethnicity is to treat him like a woman. Like that's the worst thing you could do to a man would be to treat him like a woman. And, uh, and so it's, it, it just shows up in, in all these different ways. And you would think that now that we understand that you know, men contribute half the chromosomes. Yeah, exactly. Of every person they do come from the male, and you have a much easier time. Um, I mean, let's face it; your part in this process is fun. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a beautiful thing to be a man and be able to have children without having your body be um, torn and distorted in the process. It should be quite nice. So, hopefully, um, at some point, we're going to be moving past. Um, you know that that old uh, series of yeah. of angers and resentments um, into a place of real partnership between the sexes. Do you think it's a matter of control? Yeah, I think it's control. You know, it's again that, that that feeling of hey, you know, women give birth to both males and females, and I'm not giving birth to anything. And hey, that's not right. So I should be able to control this situation. Um, but that, that's you know, that's a comp- it's a compensation, you know. But that's rather stupid and and very very unrealistic because I look at I look at it as teamwork. One works with the other. Like my wife and I, we've been together so many years and we're still the very best friends. We still talk about things. And there's many times where I'll voice an idea and she'll say, You know what, Robbie? Uh uh-uh. uh. And she'll say, This is why. And she'll bring up parts of the formula that I forgot. And if I would have followed what I wanted to do on my own, nine times out of of ten, it would have failed. You know, and I admire mothers. I admire the hard work, the dedication, the love that women put into their family units. I've always said that women should rule the world. Because if they did, it would be a totally different place. And history has proven this with great female leaders throughout history. Yeah, especially now during the COVID crisis, you can really see it. You know, that yeah. the countries run by women are like, okay, we got this thing handled. And, uh, of course, you have Trudeau, and he's a lovely guy. He's doing great, too. But, it, it, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, the, the, and, of course, there's, you know, women who are just as bad as men, and we all know that, too. But, but overall um 
you know, if you use the, you know, the mother as your mm-hmm. model of power, that's certainly what I have done through the years as a teacher and as a priestess. Right. You know, the, the model is the mother that I want, for instance, my students to exceed me, to go beyond where I've been able to go. Just like I want my kids exactly. to go beyond where I've been able to go. I, want, I don't compete with my students. You know, I want them to succeed. You see, I want my staff and the people I work with to, to, to you know, surpass me because this is what a teacher does. You know, you exactly. want your students to excel. You want to be proud to say, you know what, I was a little part of that. Mm-hmm. So when I see people who, who micromanage or put their thumb of suppression on people, whether it's their wife, whether it's their children, that's a big turnoff for me, a real big turnoff. And I think that hopefully one day people will get it. And once they do, I I think it's going to be a better place. We need to have the mother values put back into society. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's, uh, if you look back to more matristic societies like Mm -hmm. Bronze Age Crete or Chitalhyuk in Turkey, you know, Chitalhyuk, there was 2,000 years of consecutive peace. Bronze Age Crete was 1,500 years of consecutive peace. You know, where women have a powerful role, Mm -hmm. there does tend to be more of a value of life. And that's that's just a a a critical thing. And to have a partnership society is definitely the goal, and hopefully to get more and more women in positions of power, um, things balance out more. But you can see the immense resistance, you know, the, the immense resistance there was to Hillary Clinton, and we had a, an amazing array of incredibly powerful women running for president in my country this year, and yes. oh, we're and ending up with another old white guy as our <laughs> Democratic standard bearer. I, I don't know who's <laughs> worse when I watch the news, Biden or Trump. You know, oh, no, believe me, Trump, Trump is a million times worse. There's no comparison. <laughs> you know, I'll be riding with Biden in the election. But, yeah. you know, when I think of what we could have had, you know, that we could have had an Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris, eh, you know, it's a little heartbreaking. But hopefully mm-hmm. one of those powerful women will be the vice president. And maybe that's how we'll finally Why do we, have a female leader. Ba- mm-hmm. Based on uh, based on the fact that you're in the United States and you've got your, your your thumb on the pulse of the political world, why do you think Michelle Obama has not run for herself into some high political office? I think that she would be an excellent running mate with Joe Biden. Well, of course she would if she wanted to be, but you know if you you know I've read her uh, her biography by becoming and. Uh, she really has no interest in politics. She went really? along with it because she loves Barack. Right. But she did not want to be involved in it. And she she, she was so, she said she wept with relief after their eight years. So I think she feels that she has given what she could give. And it simply isn't, um, it's just not something she wanted to do. And so, yes, even though I agree with you that she'd be superb yes. if she chose to do it, um, I don't blame her. The problem, the problem with politics is an actual sane person really doesn't want to do it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, Cooch. So, uh, I'm, I, Cooch, I was thinking about Cooch Daniels because she went, I was having a conversation with her, and it was basically the same thing. So I, I fully understand and appreciate where Michelle Obama is coming from. Uh, but I understand next week uh, Joe Biden is going to be announcing his running mate. 
I'm really going to be interested yeah. to see. Like I say, I just hope it's, it's got, you know, hopefully it's just some really powerful woman who's, uh, you know, going to take it all to the next level for us. That's, that's what I hope. Well, I wish you luck in the upcoming election, my friend. I hope to have you on before that so we can share more of this wonderful work that you have been doing and you are doing and uh, share with the continuing success that you're having. So I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight, Sarah Dwin, and let our listeners know where to think, get a copy of your book, your other books, and your website. Yeah, the, uh, the website is uh, www.theheartofthefire.com. That's the name of my first book, The Heart of the Fire. And, uh, yeah, you can get all, any of these books off of Amazon, the most recent one, Broth from the Cauldron, a Wisdom Journey Through Everyday Magic. You can get from Indie Books, Bookshop, um, Barnes & Noble, your favorite local bookstore. It's available all over the place. So get yourself a copy and then give a copy to a friend. Sarah Dwin, thank you so much for joining us. Always great pleasure to you, uh, speaking with you. And until the next time we meet, take care of yourself, continued success, and thank you for being you. All right. Thank you so much, Rob. You hang in there. I will, my friend. And once again, explanation. Right, if you'd like to find out more about Sarah Dwin, visit her website, theheartofthefire.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Closing time. One last call for alcohol. So finish your win. Closing time You don't have to go home But you can't stay